Welcome to StellarCast, the Stellar Recruitment Podcast. Let's go on an inspiring journey. By listening, learning, and taking key actions from our own recruitment experts, as well as industry leaders and inspirational individuals. By unlocking our own transformative change, we can all become the best versions of ourselves. We are super fortunate to have Lauren Hickey here today, uh, inspirational and super impressive pre-contract manager at John Holland. She's got many accolades. Uh, she's very authentic. So I think you'll really enjoy some of the great takeaways that come from this podcast. Lauren, thanks for joining us here today. No worries, uh, appreciate you. you taking the time. So for the listeners who don't know your backstory, we're going to go into a bit of detail now, but you're the pre-contract manager over at John Holland. Mm-hmm. But I guess keen to sort of go back to the start and just sort of uh, unpack how did you get into the civil sector? What inspired you to, I guess, embark in a career in that arena? Thank you. Thanks so much for having me here. I haven't done this before, so this is really exciting. <laughs> so for me, I I say unfortunately because it would be a better story if it was different, but I fell into the construction sector and in particular the civil sector. I'm really happy to be here now, of course. I did, um, when I left school, my first degree was in sports management. So quite different. So I, when I graduated from that degree, which is leisure management, majoring in sports management, yeah. sounds a lot, a lot of fun. I realized that, yeah, probably a lot of fun, but pretty difficult to get a job specific to the sports marketing. Mm-hmm. And also ironically that a lot of the men were getting those jobs due to having probably already associations with a lot of the bigger sporting organizations like rugby league and union and those sorts of well-commercialized sports. So decided I'd kind of branch out and just sort of rebrand myself as a marketing graduate in general, was able to get to get work, but then really wanted to, to go the next step, went and did my master's in public relations to try and differentiate myself again against sort of everyone else that had a marketing degree. And from there, that's when I got my first job in construction. So it was a tier three contracting company on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I think because of my my sports marketing background or having that written on my resume, that kind of resonated with the hiring manager in that he was really into sport yep. as well. He was looking for a marketing coordinator and thought, you know, with my interest in sport, at least then I'd be happy to go to the footy, do the golf days, yep. those sorts of things that were really quite, you know, the main business development that was happening in construction at the time. Um, it's kind of tapered off a little bit more now people not really spending money in those sorts of areas. So that's how I I eventually started. From there, I was made redundant from that role 14 months later when they had a change in their business strategy and was lucky enough to to move into another construction company. By that time, I decided I wanted to stick around in, in construction. It was good. I could see a lot of pathways, I suppose, for myself and also just liked the people that were around. So then that's when I went and applied to do my engineering degree. And I guess that was a weird one and the joke was really on me at the end of the day (laughs) because it took five years. I was working full-time. I I didn't have any kids or or anything at at that stage. So all my sort of extracurricular was about getting this degree done, which was an associate degree in construction majoring in civil engineering. So I was able to get through that. And I guess what I likened it to, and a lot of people told me I didn't need to do that I don't need to go and get that degree. I can stay in marketing and construction with my with my current background I and mean, they could teach me the rest. That is absolutely true. I know that now. I probably knew it a bit then, but what I was really getting sick of is sitting in rooms, in meetings with people, not quite looking the same as everyone else in those meetings and constantly being asked what my background was. And at first sort of thinking they meant culturally, mm-hmm. like I'm just like, oh, yeah. fifth generation Australian, I don't <laughs> understand the question. But then I realised it was, I was sort of, I was essentially being judged for looking different. I was a lot younger then as well and not being able to just say engineering or yep. construction. Yep. I think that's probably the wrong way to think about why you should do things out of spite, but essentially <laughs> it probably was. But five years later, had the piece of paper and, yep. and was able to answer the question less sarcastically than I was previously. And then from there, moved into business development and obviously found the pre-contract space, the best space for me and been able to grow since then. Well, it's clearly served you pretty well mm-hmm. because <laughs> if we fast forward to today, and I know that you're humble by nature, so you won't necessarily enjoy what I'm about to touch on, but 
you were named Employee of the Year at John Holland last year, yeah. so <laughs> just one or two people work at John Holland. And via Narwick, of course, you were uh, named a winner uh, for your achievements uh, as a businesswoman. So clearly, uh, it served you well in terms of, I guess, the career as a choice, and you're inspiring many by the work you're doing. And I know many people that I speak to certainly regard you as inspirational. I guess I'm keen to understand what drives you to be your best version and is there any sort of principles or frameworks that work for you? I know everyone's got a different strategy and a different structure and, you know, what works for you may not work for me, but I'll be keen to sort of uh, unpack that a little bit if you don't mind. All right, thank you. I guess for me what drives me or what I've always, when I was younger, what I always just wanted to do was work really hard and get paid really well. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of my initial drivers and they probably started from that time where I said I was struggling to kind of fit in, find a job. All I wanted to do was work really hard. Everyone kept telling me I didn't have experience. Of course I don't. I'm like 22, all those sorts of things. And so I kind of just built on that, I suppose, as I was going through that I just, if somebody gave me the opportunity, I would work really hard and then I would I would try to turn that into getting paid really well yeah, yeah. because I, I guess a lot of people say it's not about the money, mm-hmm. but in the end, I need to buy groceries. I need to live somewhere. I want a couple of nice things mm-hmm. and I want to be able to look after my family. So if I'm not focusing on that kind of aspect, yes, you want fulfillment and you want to be happy and you want to enjoy what you're doing. But really for me, it was just let me, give me a job that will enable me to live my best life for my family or my family to live their best life, I guess. So that's kind of one of the drivers. And, and I guess sometimes in all honesty, I do think about like, why, why do I try so hard? <laughs> or why am I trying so hard? And there is fulfillment in in that. And I guess like the awards that you, that you mentioned, I was oh, completely shocked by the John Holland Award. I've uh, seen the picture and oh. your face was <laughs> genuine shock. I you're like, what? I <laughs> am. And there's actually a video where you sort of <laughs> see me like, and the whole room that yeah. we were with at the time, I think, were like, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, because we obviously in Queensland, a little bit smaller part yeah. of the business. Like you said, we've got nearly 6,000 employees, a lot of people doing some really, really cool stuff. And it was shocking. So that was shocking. The Narwick Award, I really, really wanted that award. Yeah. <laughs> I have tried to win that award before, uh-huh. obviously closely associated with Narwick over the years. I've seen a lot of really awesome people win that award. And that was one I was like, just would really like to be able to get that. And I think, like I've said probably before in other other forums, is um, they give you this really cool helium balloon when you win. (laughs) And I just really wanted that balloon to be sitting on my table at the award ceremony and that was kind of like one of my visions. So I was really, really proud to get get that award. But I guess the principles that I've, I've grown to employ, I suppose, I never used to probably do this as well as I do now in terms of just being yourself and being and using that as a unique selling point. I guess it's probably a little, I say easier, but in inverted commas, not being different to a lot of people in the room anyway, as in um, there's not a lot of females around still. There is a benefit in that uniqueness if you're sort of willing and confident enough to use that. And that's the trick. And that's the bit that I probably, I probably spent a lot of my earlier career trying to fit in mm-hmm. or staying quiet mm-hmm. just in case maybe I don't know what I'm talking about and then constantly having my question, my inner question, yep. trumped by a person saying it out loud yep. and being like, oh, that's exactly well, what I was imposter, thinking. Imposter syndrome. 100%. Just, yeah, yeah. And I still have that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but absolutely. So it was sort of those, although it took a long time or it's still taking time, but really for me it is I try to be myself all the time, very openly be myself in front of a lot of different types of people and try to be unapologetic about that, I mm-hmm. suppose. And and I guess that's a lot of what I've been trying to do over the last couple of years is be quite visibly myself. So often, you know, things don't work out. A, ki- a, a kid has to come to the office or they have to come to a, one of the networking events or those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And I've just sort of rung ahead, checked yep. it's okay, yep. turned up and, um, and everyone's sort of given you know, always been so great in those situations and you realise that now maybe others will feel like they could have come to that yep. that event that they otherwise had to had to give it a miss or something like that. So for me, driven by the sort of overarching success and, mm-hmm. and what that can mean for for the rest of my family. Yep. But then just just trying to be myself all the time and 
I heard um, a really cool quote the other day, and I think it was from Paul Hogan talking about mm. Bert Newton. Mm. And he said he took his job very seriously yeah. but didn't take himself very seriously. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to sort of <laughs> live that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good sort of uh, notion to subscribe to. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, whatever we choose to do, whether it's work or other volitions, I personally think it's important to do that well. Mm. But I think sometimes there's a tendency for that to cascade into other aspects of life where you can take life a bit too serious. Mm. And that's just my own sort of experience. But I like the fact that, you know, you subscribe to being your best version or doing your best. And that's what drives you. But you drive you, you bring that back to why am I doing that? I'm I'm doing that to create a platform for my family. Mm. And I think in a world where there's a lack of authenticity, you demonstrating that in the work context, but also for your kids. I think yeah. it's hugely important because I think there's a lot of facades out there and a lot of images people are trying to mm. uphold, which is, you know, often all, all false and certainly not real. So I think, you know, you're doing a great job leading that. And I think clearly work ethic underscores everything you do in that regard and makes everything possible. So, yeah, I'm keen to sort of just roll on from that answer and sort of ask you the question around, I'm sure there's plenty of proud moments in your career thus far. Mm. You've achieved a lot. So, yeah, as you sort of reflect back as you're partway through your career, and what are some of the proudest moments thus far? I think, um, like I touched on before, that the now Award for the Achievement as a Businesswoman was a really, really proud moment for me. But I guess other things that sort of give me like a little, little proud moments along the way, I suppose, is mentoring and and having and not even formal mentoring because I've I've only done that in in small amounts but being I guess I try to pride myself if we think about proud and pride pride myself on being available mm-hmm. or being quite open and transparent and I do fortunately have a lot of opportunities to talk to other women and and even young males in in the industry as well that are seeking advice or looking at how they can probably continue to grow understand, I think a lot of young people at the moment, understand the pace at which they can expect to grow Mm -hmm. in the industry Mm -hmm. because we do do a lot of early promotion in construction, not always successfully, Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of opportunities around regularly if you're willing to take them and and can can sort of marry up your skill set with whatever the next opportunity is. So I'm always proud when I get to have those conversations or if somebody provides the feedback that that really helped them or that mm-hmm. that was something that yeah. that um, meant a lot to them. But I think the Narwick Award I just always come back to because, I, like I said earlier, I've just seen a lot of really great people get that one mm-hmm. and beat me in yep. getting that one. And I actually tied in that yep. winning that award. Yep, yep. So that was also exciting because now anyone who thinks my fellow recipient is good mm-hmm. will automatically put me <laughs> on the same the same level. So I'm um, very grateful for the tie, I think, as well. But no, I was just really proud that I was able to take the opportunity in that room to to get a few messages across and and hopefully use that for the next year until somebody else gets that one. Yeah, no, I've I've certainly heard, uh, you know, obviously beyond the accolades of the awards you've won, I've certainly heard from others that you are very proactive and willing to uh, mentor or even just support, guide people. And obviously you've got a lot on your plate personally, professionally, but uh, I've certainly heard that you always make yourself available. And I think that's just super important, isn't it? We've we've all been that young, fresh person that's seeking more information or knowledge. So to learn from someone who's, you know, been there and done that, I think that's awesome. And I think it's super fulfilling Mm -hmm. as well. So so that's, um, that's awesome to hear. I think the industry needs more of that. I want to talk to you now about time management because (laughs) I'm told you're a bit of a weapon in this space. We've talked a little bit about, obviously, you know, before the show, some of the things you do. And I think it's important to work out what works for you Mm. based on your personality and life and all that sort of stuff. Everyone's a bit different. But obviously, you're pre-contracts manager at John Holland. Uh, You're on the board of IAQ, Narwick. You're a mum. You make time to stay fit and active. You completed your civil degree on on top of working at the same time. So clearly, you're good at juggling competing priorities and getting through a lot. You have been on the board of QRL and those sorts of things in the past. So what are your best tips for managing time well? I don't. Uh, <laughs> I get asked this sort of question a lot, and like you say, from from some people that are other mums in the industry in particular and, and even just other parents who know that the variable of children does not stop or cease to change. Yes, and very fluid. <laughs> yes, and yeah. continually changing your life. But I guess my my short answer is I 
I don't know that I have good time management. I have a form of time management that works for me, mm-hmm. yet to see how sustainable it is, <laughs> but I can report back yeah. if I keel <laughs> over one day. So I, I guess for me, I'm in a, my family's very 50-50 family between my husband and self in terms of trying to look after the kids and, and keep keep up with all the sort of day-to-day stuff that has to go with, with the running of a family and a house. But probably wasn't always the case. My husband is awesome. So when we had our first daughter, she's five now, he had 10 months off with her. I went back to work and then he stayed at home with her for 10 months. And then with our son, he stayed at home for six months and then started his own business. So he's a builder Mm -hmm. and runs his own business. So that first few years, and he was very much primary carer for our daughter and then um, and then for the first first part for our son. And I guess I was probably quite selfish, I guess, around, around great, you're there, you're doing that, I'm going to go do the work thing, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. my contribution and, yep. and never the two shall meet, basically. And I guess that idea put a lot of strain on our relationship, especially as we moved forward with Billy yeah, <laughs> when yeah. he came along. Um, and now we're like, doing everything twice, I guess, or or two lots of people heading off to the same place. Yep. So I like to think that I was able to turn that around, um, particularly in the last 18 months, and that's from having, like, really great conversations with my husband about how we can or how I can help more or how we can be doing it better because, obviously, he's trying to have a business as well, mm-hmm. and it is just really hard when we're both kind of trying to progress. So yep. still working on it, but I think I've got a few a few key tips, but we're in an industry in construction, that's just, everything's a deadline, right? And it's tight deadlines and some things just have to happen, no matter how ridiculous it might seem that this is clearly not life or death, but obviously we need to get get something back or finalise a response or whatever it might be. And I guess the way I frame my time management around that is ensuring I'm, this is going to sound wrong, but self-sacrificing mm-hmm. as opposed to sacrificing my family mm-hmm. or my time mm-hmm. with my mm-hmm. family. Yep. So for what, me, yeah, yeah what, go, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So for me, that is getting up at 3 a.m. So and not working in the evening. Yeah. So a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate, you know, they might put the kids down and then pick up the computer again from 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. or beyond or whatever that might be. I, um, my brain doesn't really work in a way that lets me have something to do, but not do it right now. <laughs> yep, yep. So if I'm deferring the whole thing to the morning, then that's better than thinking, oh God, I've still got to turn the computer back on at eight after I get through this bath time and the kid to bed and and um, reading the books and doing all those things. That also winds you down a bit, makes, mm-hmm. makes me quite yep, yep. tired yep. and I often fall asleep. Like if I lie down, honestly, if I lie down for more than two minutes, obviously, yeah. Mm. Even like at the hairdresser. Yeah. If I'm lying down at the basin yeah. for getting the toner done, <laughs> yeah. I'll be asleep yeah. with my mouth open. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily masks lately. <laughs> but um so and this is probably it's probably circle of life because yeah. I'm waking up so early. Yeah, but yeah. that just is what works for me. Mm-hmm. And that might be crazy. And I've I've um you know, often post to my Instagram about how I am doing mm-hmm. things because a lot of people ask me the question and it will be a 303 timestamp or or a, a 410 timestamp with the washing out mm-hmm. or getting it on the line and that sort of stuff in pitch black. It doesn't work for everyone, but then yep. I know that that's out there and I can get it when I get home yep. and it's dry. I've done a load of washing. Like, yep. what a genius. So yep. that's one that works for me, probably doesn't work for everyone. But the other thing, and it's really about the the how you manage work and life together. Mm. So I put everything in the to-do list. So mm. I just don't have a to-do list on my desk that's like the work stuff. Yep. If I need to pay a bill yep. or yep. if I want to order something from ASOS or if I need to get new school shoes or mm-hmm. whatever else has to happen, it goes on the list. Yep. Um, order the kindy photos and then you can just tick it off. And a few of those items, maybe we shouldn't say this out loud, are things you can do while you're doing something else. Yep. So if you're in a meeting and you just need to be present in that meeting, or it's a briefing, or it's something that's not sort of heavy brain power. Maybe this is more for women than yeah. men. No offense. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Our genetic makeup leads Sorry. it. You, know, you can yeah. ta- you can like get that bill done, or order the groceries, or hit send on something else, and you're just ticking things off, and then mm-hmm. you don't have to think about it later because the amount of times you wake up in the middle of the night going, oh, I didn't pay the bill again, or I didn't do that thing again because you were too busy doing a gazillion other things. And I also put in when I'm going to leave the office in mm-hmm. my calendar. Mm. I put in that I'm picking the kids up. Mm. I put in if I have 
dentist appointment, a doctor's appointment, everything goes in the diary as early as it possibly can because you need to get better at saying no. So then somebody puts something in your diary that, you know, this is, no, sorry, time was already taken. I'm going to pick, I've got to leave at 2.30 to mm-hmm. pick my daughter up. And I leave noisily. Yep. Yeah, yeah, See everyone, yep. off to go, school pick up, and then everyone knows that's where I've gone mm-hmm. and that it's okay for them to do the same. Yep. Which is like a big sort of all about the flexible working aspect. And and we're great at, at John Holland where I work is very, they're very proactive in the flexible working space, have been since I got there. It was quite actually jarring for me mm-hmm. to go there from a different company that it probably wasn't as flexible. I was like, where is everybody? <laughs> and they were home, you know, dog was sick, yep. don't come Tuesdays, Yep. wash my hair on Wednesday morning so don't come Wednesdays. You know, it's just, it was really great yep. once I eventually got used to it, yep. how well people were embracing that. Mm-hmm. Then obviously we move into COVID and we're ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. We can actually be productive at home well ahead of our competitors at that time because mm-hmm. everyone had the dual system. They had the, the work from home. So I've really embraced that. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can, you should. I was yeah. very reluctant at the start. Yeah. But, yeah, it's about getting everything in your diary for me, everything in your diary. I move my stuff around so I impact less on the family mm-hmm. so that I then don't have feel guilty, mm-hmm. I suppose, because that still creeps in. And, yeah, it's, it is hard. And then, like you say, we share the gym going to the gym every um, every other day and my husband's obviously the alternate days and kind of works out well because if you miss your Monday, you can't go again till Wednesday. You don't mm-hmm. you don't get to just say, I'm going tomorrow. Yep. No, because that's someone else's turn. So that's part of our kind of 50-50 relationship that seems to be working so far. Yep. Well, it seems like you've got a, a system and I think, you know, yeah. we all need a system of sorts and, and I love a bunch of those answers. But, yeah, I too, like you, every week I plan my to-do list and there's the business to do, the mm. personal, personal to do, and they sort of blend in at different times, don't yeah. they? But they're all important, and it's important to sort of get through everything. But I like also the fact that you wake up early because you that suits you, mm. you know, that works for you. Other people aren't morning people. Yes. And I like you cognitively towards the end of the day, I'm nowhere near as good as I am at the beginning of the day. No. So I sometimes think I probably could or should be doing some work, but I'm not at my cognitive best. I'll be better off first thing in the morning, mm. boom, ready to go. Yeah. So No, much smarter in the morning for sure. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's understanding your energy personality uh, and what works for you. Yeah, just building on, I guess, your responses to that question, Lauren, is there anything else that you do, any other frameworks, practices that allow you to get through the ton of work and the competing priorities that you get through that might benefit the listeners? I guess it all started from the morning thing for me or when I've always been a morning person, always exercised in the morning and all those sorts of things. And I guess what happened was then around the sleep patterns of the kids, I suppose, and they were sleeping better at the time when I sort of discovered that this worked for me. Mm-hmm. They were sleeping better in the morning, like they were much deeper sleep in the morning. It, it, um, I think Bill was about six months old or something like that and Elkie would have been coming up to three. So they were just sleeping better then, whereas at night they were a bit more disruptive and we were up and down and and sharing it that way. The other thing that happened, and again, just another thing I shouldn't say out loud, I wanted to have a couple of beers at night Mm. when I get home from work and then I'd be like, well, now I'm all relaxed. I can't go send some fire off a few emails. Not that I was was only having like one or two. It's not like I was um, having a full-on session, but that was the other (laughs) sort of thing. I was coming home from these really... um, quite intense days at work and and they were later then because, mm-hmm. again, that was in when maybe I wasn't doing my full mm-hmm, share at mm-hmm, home mm-hmm. and I'd be coming home sort of like 6.30, 7 o'clock, mm-hmm. have dinner and then the thought oh. of then, you know. Burning up the laptop. Having yeah. to, yeah, go again when when whatever you've missed out on and people are cranky and, you know, yep. everyone's just starting to get to bed. So you're heavy into that sort of witching hour stuff, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, I just feel like having a beer. Yep. And then I was, someone would wake up probably about two, three, and then they'd be go into this heavy mm-hmm. pattern of, of sleep, and I'd mm-hmm. be like, well, I'm up now. Yep. I should just get yeah. that thing done. And yeah. then, of course, because somebody sent you something so important that needs to be done at 10.30 at night, yep. I'd be able yep. to respond to that. And then what I found, so it doesn't work out every day, I could do every action from the day before. Yep before 5 a.m., yep. go to the gym, yep. and then I actually, like, 
technically have nothing to do that mm-hmm. day, nothing mm-hmm. that has to get done that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then because I have a, a team that I look after, uh, I can, you know, they might not think this. You can but be present and available. Be available for yeah, them, yeah, yeah. be in their meetings, yeah, not yeah. not at the meetings and on my email yep. and just do a better job during the day. Again, collecting actions yep. as we go through yeah, yeah, of course. to be completed in that, that next morning. So yep. it was a really good sense of calm, I suppose, for me turning up at the office with, sure. with no action. And um, oh, my other tip, sorry, is then a lot of people, some people get grumpy that you send them 3 a.m. emails, especially yeah. the people that have a notification oh, on no, their email, that no. which I don't know who these no, people are. No, I don't are. understand that either. So also I probably considered that it would be maybe a good branding opportunity yeah. if people thought I was getting it all done between yeah, 9 yeah, and yeah, 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I um, actually set timers on my yep. emails that I send between 3 and 5 a.m. Yeah, because yeah. then typically off to the gym or my daughter Mm -hmm. wakes up at 5.15 and they send at 7. So that because the other thing I really, one of my core, I guess, values is people who project their stress onto other people and it's, um, you know, how has your problem or your poor time management suddenly become my problem? And if I know I'm sending someone an email that might, you know, this is going to become a focus for their day that they Mm. don't yet know about, Mm. I don't want them to wake up to that email. At yeah. five a.m., it's it. They're just not in a good. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's just not probably a nice thing to do. So if I set that for seven thirty, mm-hmm. it'll be the first one when they get in the office, mm-hmm. and then we can talk about it because yeah. I'll be there. But yeah. I've but if something goes wrong, um, I need to drop off the kids or yeah. whatever, and I'm not there till nine. Yeah. I know the action's sort of out there. Yeah, yeah, and they sure. know they they can call me. So I just conscious about not blowing up someone's day because something that yeah. has been you know, maybe manifested by somebody else. Yep. And then just that courteous, I guess, element of if you do have your notification on, I'm not going to ding into your dreams somehow. (laughs) Yeah, I do a similar thing with my text messages. Other than emails, my text messages, I put my phone on flight mode. Yeah. And I respond or action a lot of text messages. Okay. So there could be a bunch of them. And then at a suitable time, because the message didn't send, I'll just go resend, 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 resend. And then it'll go boom, boom, boom. So it doesn't happen when you automatically come off flight mode. Uh. No, it will do on things like Messenger and all that sort of stuff, yeah. but text message, no. That's a good I didn't know that because yeah. that, that text messages sometimes get me, and you'll know this yep. from when I don't reply to your yep. text messages straight yep. away. Yep. Because they're not in my inbox, I sometimes forget that they happened yep. and then not always get back to them. Yep. And then when I have time to get back to them, it's 9 o'clock at Correct. night and I don't want Correct. to send them. This yeah, is so good. Yeah, so it's sort of part of my morning routine. I get up, do a bit of exercise, whatever, have a look at any important things, and then there's some response responses to text messages or things I want to get out there, I used to just send it and it used to irritate people that wake up later than what I do uh, mm. and I get that, being respectful. Mm. Uh, so I just put on flight mode, boom, 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 and then at a respectable time I just go bang and then it's done. I'm going to have to test that with a so, non-work person first. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, but sounds like you're impacting a lot of people uh, through the mentoring and role modelling that you're doing at the moment. But can you sort of throw back onto you as to who or what has had the biggest impact on your career? I haven't had any real formal mentors. I've had a lot of people along the way that I've sought advice for or have offered advice, unsolicited yep. <laughs> or whatnot. And I probably more seek individuals for individual purposes. But if I think about where my career is, I suppose, and where it might go to and how got here. I think I think it probably really is my parents in a lot of regards for the integrity and the and the sort of we it's like me and my best friend were the only ones never got a day off school. Yeah. Everyone else would be, you know, quite yep. uh flexible, yep. I suppose, through their yep. their uh parental channels to yep. get yep. some time off. And this is more like in high school when you would have spares and mm-hmm. and you know the exams are done for the day, mum would be like, nope, paying for you to stay there till three o'clock, yep. you'll be there till three o'clock. And, you know, you'll go unless you are deathly ill. So that's the same now. Obviously, it's far less socially acceptable to turn up to work sick at the moment. So that has changed things. And and it's probably why I did probably struggle with that flexible working aspect initially because I was very probably ingrained, not from my parents specifically, but just from the industry in general. If you can't be seen, Mm -hmm. um, then how could you possibly be working? But my... um, like I said, mum was very good at making sure we went to school every day and even the slightest 
most major sickness would not keep you away from that place. And then also my dad, who was a, a furniture removalist, um, owned a furniture removalist company. Never, never do I ever remember him not going to work mm-hmm. for being sick or anything like that. So just work ethic in general. He ran that business, would come home from, you know, moving pianos and pool tables and those sorts of things all day long um, in Queensland or in Brisbane and then do the book work. Yep. So we've always been this like quite early to bed family. Yep. And so you watch those sorts of people and, and they teach you that, you know, there's a lot in just turning up and, yep. and doing what you say you're going to do mm-hmm. and supporting people and all those sorts of things that I think people really probably appreciate in, in what I bring um, mm-hmm. to my role. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of how I've been able to do what I do with the family that I have and the life that that we've been able to create, it, it's just my husband, basically. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of conversations, like I said, with with young people. And I had a, I had a conversation with a, a young um, construction lawyer late last year who was asking a whole bunch of questions about, because we were in a bit of a lull in our negotiations, of um, how old are your kids? How do you, what, do they go to for school care, after school care? How do you get it all mm-hmm. done? Mm-hmm. And I said, if I got a vibe that she's thinking of having kids. Right? Ah, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah. like, if um, said, have you picked the person you're going to have them with yet? Because that's a very key part of how you see the future going, I suppose, for yourself. And yep. if, and I'm always very clear to say it doesn't make you any better or worse because you do go to work as a working mum or you stay at home as a mum. They're both very well. I think staying home would be far harder, and you don't have to be this working mum to to be different or recognised mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's it's amazing what people who stay home are able to do for their children. I'm not the right person to do that in our family. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. my husband is definitely the best man for the job when it comes to that sort of thing. But that was sort of my, to her, you need to just have this conversation about how is this going to pan out. Mm-hmm. Being a construction lawyer is incredible hours mm-hmm. from what I've seen mm. that we ask these people to do for yeah. us. And so you just need to understand, I guess, map it out or theoretically map it out, but then understand how how this is going to work going forward so there's some expectations there. And, and we did do that. And my husband's very supportive, very supportive of everything I do. And like you mentioned about um, some of the extracurricular stuff and Queensland Rugby League was was one of those before I took on that role I was like, oh, what do you think? Because I think uh, Elkie was eight months old. Mm-hmm. Yes, great, happy to be supportive and all those sorts of things. So we had to have that conversation. But if I didn't have him mm. being the person that he is, the person that he's willing to be for our children, well, we wouldn't have been able to have them, I guess. Or I, w- I would have had to become something different that I yep. probably would have um, not enjoyed yep. quite as much. So yep. the only way you can, there has to be this balance and I see people that don't have balance and it it kills them. It does. And like I said, I have to be, I have not had balance the other way around where mm-hmm. it's just work mm-hmm. um, and I missed things yep. or not, well, yeah, just not being helpful. Yep. And that puts a lot of stress on on that that other person. So, yep. and I have a lot of um, single parents that ask me that question. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. actually know how to answer it mm-hmm. because I don't think well, I wouldn't have been in that situation. I couldn't have been in that situation. So yep. they're amazing, the people that achieve what they do in in, in a single sort yep. of situation. It's like if someone says, how do you get your baby to sleep? I'm like, with a dummy and formula. Uh-huh. I don't know how to do it any other way. Yep. I can't help you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but no, for me, my husband's the the reason that, that I've been able to achieve so much. But there's been a lot of really good people along yeah. the way that have supported me and supported me in, in my roles. Yeah, well, it sounds like your parents have been instrumental in setting a foundation and a platform, whether it's work ethic or integrity, mm. commitment, some of those things. And obviously your husband's been very supportive, sort of being that uh, always that rock uh, to enable you to pursue your things, uh, your career and, and what's important to you for the benefit of the family. But obviously, like anything, you iterate as you go and you work on that. But it seems like those three people have just been hugely mm. impactful. So I think there's some uh, great insights there. I want to move to rapid fire questions now. Okay. okay. So we're going to hit you with a few fast ones and see how you go. But uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about your work context. What do you do to get away to relax when you're not at work? Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> Favorite show? Or the at one the moment, the most? Manifest. Okay. It's good. It's good. It's okay. good. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that, that's cool. What are you currently reading? I've never read a 
book. Oh, I'm so wow. sorry. Wow. There you go. Okay. Well, I'm a very slow well, reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I we am too. But when I when I pick up a book I love, I can't put it down. You know, a lot of it's around autobiographies, or whatever the case is. Yeah. But I wouldn't regard myself as a reader. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so if you weren't uh, being this inspirational civil leader, what would your dream job be? Developer, property Developer. developer. Yeah. yeah. And I understand you and your husband flip and do a few projects on the side because yes. you're not busy enough already. But, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so some renos. Yeah, 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 yeah. But not – yeah, I'd probably like to think one day I could do some – little subdivisions or something like that. Probably not in this market. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hot at the moment. It's pretty competitive <laughs> out there. Any hidden talents? Obviously, we've talked about a number already, so I don't know what's I left. I asked my daughter to help me okay. with this, and she told me it was being angry, <laughs> which my, was not my, very hidden. My kids may say similar things, but anyway. <laughs> Beer sculling? Beer sculling. There you go. Good talent to have, particularly <laughs> during the university days. <laughs> yes. And I, maybe at the old I was, uh, function. <laughs> I was raced many times. Yep, yep. Yes. Yeah, there the, we go. That for the benefit a, of my girlfriends. That is a, a good <laughs> skill. Okay. Uh, greatest fear? Messing my kids up. <laughs> the dark. Yeah. Clowns. Tsunamis. <laughs> okay, there we go. There's a few, but... Yeah, I think the greatest legacy we leave behind is that of our kids. Mm. So I share that fear yes, as well. Yes, what advice would you pass on to an 18-year-old Lauren Hickey? That's now, a really hard one. Now, you're so wise, but obviously no, yeah. there's a few skin knees <laughs> along the way and I've got plenty. So what, what would you say to that young lady? Maybe it would would still be around that uniqueness and not waste that time trying to be, trying to fit in, I guess, a little bit more, especially once I got to, to this industry. There's probably more advice for the the younger than 18. <laughs> Lauren, yep. she needed, um, she probably needed to sweat a little less. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think uh, sometimes, you know, I, I wonder myself, but I was a bit of an, well, I am, I'm an experiential learner. So I think if someone had told me the, the great book of yeah. things to do, I would have said, oh, that's okay, but I kind of need to experience that myself. Yeah. And you see that with like, my daughter, she's like, don't do that. And then yeah. she does it and she's like, I'm like, why do you not know that we know everything? Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. So it wouldn't have helped yet. No, exa- I think you're right. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, take life a little less seriously and, you know, stop trying to conform. Be yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And, I, and I've suffered from that and I'm sure other people, many people suffer from that as well. So it's great to see you. you're being authentic and, and demonstrating that now. So I guess as we sort of start to round up, Personally, I feel, and obviously you're closer to the industry than what I am, it feels like there's never been a better time to be in the civil construction sector. There's a raft of infrastructure projects and the Olympics has only Mm -hmm. added to all of that and brought forward some of those projects. So what's your personal vision for the industry as we look forward? I think um, you're right and it is what we have right now is, is, and I think we've discussed it before, is about how we're going to maintain productivity Mm. Throughout what yep. is this going, is going to be this busy time, as you as you rightly mentioned, and it's probably coming for us in about like the three to eight year kind of gap as we prepare for twenty thirty two, and so to maintain that productivity, it's all about resourcing and and having people in our sector now that can be you know the real grunt work while we're going through that time, and then it will continue on, and they come and go as we as we know from sort of recent decades, I guess. But I suppose what we need to be sure we're doing is therefore making it attractive Mm -hmm. to come into the sector. And we've got a a few hangovers, I would say, or stigmas that come with our sector that Mm. don't always make it a place parents encourage their kids to come to, a place where people feel like they will be well-respected or recognised and those sorts of things. And it's not like just a female thing. I think in general we have, I think it's a very well-known statistic that we have very high suicide mm. rate mm. in the construction industry, particularly in, in middle-aged males. So that's, something's broken there. And I know there's a lot of good organisations that are working to try and understand what that might be and how that we can, um, we can try and rectify that concern. So there's that element of mental health, which, which largely can come from depression, isolation and through the FIFO working and, and those sorts of things. But what's driving those? And, and we've talked about it a bit today, unrealistic timeframes, deadlines and those sorts of things. Once you're into delivery of a project, everything's about the program. Program time equals money. Project becomes under stress. 
and then, you know, people take that pretty hard. It's similar in my pre-contract phase as well. We are in the procurement of those projects and there's incredibly tight deadlines that are placed on us there. And getting the answer wrong Mm. can be catastrophic for the delivery, then putting the pressure on the delivery guys and girls. So it is, there is a huge sort of mental pressure that is within this industry that that is kind of like a little boiling pot that we see explode from time to time Mm -hmm. or quite often, I guess I should say. So there's that sort of well-established issue that I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people are trying to unpick whether or not we're getting close, not so sure. I think there's also benefits, and, and it's probably one of the benefits I talk about women coming into the sector is, and it's going to sound odd, is the, the perceived or the real, mm. I should say, mm. pay gap. Mm. What we have the benefit of here is an upper benchmark, largely set by men, that we can move towards. And there is a really good opportunity here for women, and, and this is important for single women or women, the breadwinners of their family, to enter into construction to be able to sustain a really, you know, good outcome for those people that you're supporting because there is great opportunity as long as you, we are providing it to our, to our women and, and supporting them to achieve that. And the gap, the reason I mentioned the gap is whilst there's a gap and people are recognising it, we can continue to close it and bring those women up into positions where they can achieve great super and other really good outcomes. My concern more when we talk about women's pay is in the female-dominated sectors, nursing, teaching, childcare educators, and those care, care, largely those kind of really actual things we need. Mm. I know we need mm. roads and bridges mm-hmm. and stuff, but we need people to look after us and look after our children and educate them. They don't have the benchmark that we are yep. sort of fortunate to have yep. in some ways in construction. And so they get benchmarked against, you know, their sector and therefore there's no gap to close, Mm -hmm. if you like. Mm -hmm. So I see that as an opportunity. One, we need to right that wrong. But I see it as an opportunity for encouraging women into our sector because there is an opportunity Mm -hmm. to be be able to really support those, like I say, that that are counting on you to to get them through. And And that in its social sense is so helpful around other systemic kind of issues that we have around domestic violence and, and people not being able to remove themselves from those situations due to, you know, not having that financial support and various other things that can come from not not maybe being able to provide for yourself and for your family so you can remove yourself from those situations. So there's something in that for me. Probably haven't nutted it out completely, but I think there is a benefit to that mm-hmm. ability to earn, I think. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. No, I think, uh, you know, we've seen in, in other environments, whether it's, um, you know, professional tennis or, or surfing where there's equality and all that sort of stuff, it's great that there's an identifiable gap and I think that whole diversity and inclusion piece is just, it's it's real and it's happening and it's building momentum, I think, which is great. Mm. And I guess your other point you make around some of those other sectors that don't have, I guess, a comparative way of working where they could or should go, I think you sort of start to see with the aged care workers, mm. there's identified that there's a shortfall and maybe a need to sort of review some yeah. of those uh, current conditions. Mm. So hopefully those things continue to evolve in the right direction mm. to, to get to a place where it's, you know, maybe more fair or reasonable for everyone that sort of partakes uh, on that side. Of, but, yeah, having been part of, I guess, the construction sector for me since about 2002, it's light and day in that period of time. Yeah. And and I think the speed of change is getting quicker. And maybe COVID's helped that around flexible work arrangements yeah. and, break, and breaking some of those hard stigmas or whatever the case that have been in place or structures or norms for a long period of time. It's great to hear you being loud around leaving. I, I still, you know, feel a little guilty around mm. that, you mm. know, and that's just my head and no one else's head. But, yeah, you should say that because, you know, no one knows that you're yeah, – everyone knows that you're not shirking your job. Yeah. You're just being harmonious with your life outside of work. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think we need more people to sort of live that change and, and be unapologetic about that mm. because you're not shirking your responsibilities. You're just trying to live in a harmonious fashion and, and then – you're going to be a better version if you feel like you're not guilty mm. through not being the mum you could be or the wife you should be yeah. or all that sort of stuff. You're going to show up better in our environment. So I think it's a real win, but I think it's just going to continue to evolve. Yeah. And I guess a lot of people, you know, that are probably in my position talk about, you know, oh, like, I effectively have like earned the, the understanding or the respect or the 
the value in the work that I do do that everybody knows that the job's done for the day or it will get done for the day or nothing got missed and now she has to go and pick up her son or daughter or whatever it might be. So the other day I had a particularly rough day and we got given a task to do at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. had to be done by that night, you know, close a business. We talk close a business in construction. That is midnight. Yeah. So it's not five o'clock. So it had to be done that day essentially. And I had already like literally probably about 10 minutes before said to my husband, I'm on the kids. I'm all good. It's happening. And then 10 minutes later, everything falls apart. We fine, hang up from falling apart, cook up the plan of what we're going to do to get it resolved. And then in amongst all that, I'm like, well, now I've got to go because I've made a commitment. I've got to go pick up Bill. And I get to the daycare center. He doesn't want to leave. He's crying. Put him in the car, slam his hand in the car door. (laughs) So he's losing his mind. Drive home, meant to be going to family dinner at mom's. My sister's like cooked this meal for us all. So I get there, have to go to the office, turn my laptop on, call back to the office, see how we're going. And then just in and out the whole time of calls and emails. And it was horrific. We had it done by about eight o'clock and could send it back. But I was just like, just an example of when it just didn't work that day. We got the answer, picked up the kid, hurt him a little bit. (laughs) But otherwise, everyone got through the day, but it was a mess. So it's not all um, perfect. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's never a perfect science, is it? Juggling work and home life. And went to a seminar the other day and, and Dr. Toby Ford, who does a lot of the executive health checks, he said, uh, they've done a lot of surveying and all the rest of it around executives and, and uh, busy professionals. What's the most stressful part of the day? Mm. And the most stressful part of the day per their data, and I kind of identify that, is that transition time between work and home. Mm. Because you're in work mode, you're going a million miles now, and then you've got to sort of take off your work hat, and then you've got to be this great mum or dad. Mm. You've got to be you know, present and attentive and all the rest of it, but you still got the baggage of the day. You're still thinking, I've got to do these 50 things and that sort of stuff, but Mm. I've got to be this great dad. And then, as you said, sometimes kids don't conform to our views on Mm -hmm. how things should go and they're blowing up and all that sort of stuff. So it does create stress. But, yeah, I think that's just life and I think being okay with that. And Mm. it sounds like you did your best to sort of persevere and work through it, (laughs) you know. No doubt there was moments of despair and amongst it all, but you, you get there and you certainly strike me as someone who just finds a way to get there, you know what I mean? And, and that's that's just life. You've, you've got to find day. a solution, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and some days are better than others, but being real about the fact, I think, you know, some people may look from the outside and go, Lauren's perfect. She does this, she does that, but I'm picking up the authenticity and, and I'm identifying in my life there's best of intentions some days, but it just goes to custard. And I think that was the the reason I tried to make myself more visible, I suppose, through through LinkedIn and on, on Instagram because of peop- a lot of people were probably thinking that. And, I mean, anyone who's had a conversation with me knows that's not true. Yeah. But, you know, that uh, the how do you do it or whatever, it's not, not well, like, is my response and how it feels, I suppose. And I think it's important that people realise that it's not easy mm-hmm but you can make it work mm-hmm. if you want to. Mm-hmm. And there's probably other ways that are easier mm-hmm. and I'm happy to hear them, yep. basically. Yep. But I think it's also, you know, you need to become quite attuned to like your own business or the business that you're of yourself and the, and the small little business that you're running maybe within your organisation or whatever. There's certain people that will often escalate an issue that does not require escalation. We have So we need to prioritise even other people's mm-hmm. requests of us and get to know their patterns as well. So, you know, if there's somebody in particular that always likes to call you at six o'clock at night to be like, so tomorrow, this and this and this. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. we'll have that conversation tomorrow. And I've been able to do that with a lot of people that I have to make contact with, you know, every single day that they know I'm not going to answer that call. So they'll still call. Mm-hmm. And if it, and they, they realise... I will if they then, like you say, text me and say, Mm -hmm. hey, really just wanted to talk about this thing. Great. I will answer or I will call back. But you can condition, I suppose, people around you about how you want to do your business or how you live your life once we're outside of that kind of 
whatever it is, seven to five. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or what you choose as your working hours, as it, the case is these days. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sorry, didn't get your text or didn't get your phone call because it was eight o'clock at night. Yep. Yep. And I think you just need to be, like I say, with the putting the things in your calendar that are really important to you. Mm-hmm. The answer is then no, yep. unless you can give me a really good reason why it needs to change. Mm-hmm. And that takes time mm-hmm. to even understand people that they, that I've got certain guys, they will only call me if there is a problem. And then I like look at my phone going, gosh, I don't want to answer it now yeah, because yeah. I know he's it's only serious. calling because there's there's something that happened <laughs> yeah. that's not great. Yeah. Or there's people that just call all the time yeah. and you're like, eh, yep. voicemail. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. So you got to get to you know shape everybody. Some of those behaviors, yes. don't you? you know? Exactly. You, you own that the way people communicate with you. Yeah. And I think that's that's important to try and, and not think just because it's a person more senior than you or whatever it is that you have to answer. Should it not be the general agreed time of which we answer phone calls? Yep, <laughs> absolutely. It's about enabling or not certain exactly. behaviours, isn't it? You yeah. know what I mean? And setting some of those boundaries. So I think that's a, it's an awesome sort of point to make at the end of it all. But, uh, yeah, certainly respectful of your time. You've given up some great answers today. And, you know, the last sort of note I sort of wrote down here um, as I sort of prepared for this and and speak to some people, you know, based on my observation and the feedback of others, you know, you're definitely a role model. I think (laughs) that goes without doubt. Um, I'm told reliably that your energy is contagious, as is your work ethic, and that radiates uh, off and really, I think, drags other people along. But I think, you know, without doubt, you know, you've got this deep passion to help others around you get better and be their best version and all that sort of stuff. So I think the industry needs more people like you. Uh, it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job. So it's been really nice to sit down today and unpack you in an authentic way. And hopefully others can sort of take, I'm sure, one or two things out of the conversation we've had to help them be their best version as well. So really grateful that you've given up the time. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, like I said, hadn't done this before. So <laughs> proud of myself for not swearing <laughs> and um, realize I probably, to your point about the energy, which is really kind, thank you. But I also probably realize I can be a lot yeah. for a lot of people. So, and maybe that that isn't, for everybody, but I'm glad it's for some. Yeah, and I think, you know, just quietly on that one, I think sometimes our greatest strengths can also be weaknesses in other regards. Mm. And, and my own journey is it's great to be on and energetic, but sometimes you, you do burn out a little bit. Mm. You do need those down days or whatever the case is. So, you know, life-like, you know, some of the stuff we've talked about, it's, <laughs> a, it's a fluid space and we're constantly iterating and learning, but, you know, it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job professionally and personally, so I've taken a lot from it. So thanks again. Thank you. I know I took a lot out of this uh, conversation today. I trust you did as well. So thanks for taking the time to listen and tune in for the next episode. Thank you for listening to StellarCast. This show aligns with why Robbie McIlwraith and Sean McCambridge co-founded the company. Their mission was to help and nurture others to reach and exceed their potential. For trusted recruitment and career advice, contact Stella today.